Haha ha, Dick, welcome back to Haha ha, Dick. Today I want to talk about all the dead people from Celebrity Land. And we're not going to talk very long about Matthew Perry, even though he's the new one. But I found this great story in Us Weekly about all the deaths that we had to put up with, the surprise deaths. The story is called Most Shocking Celebrity Deaths of All Time. And I thought, oh, you know what, this Matthew Perry moment is a good time to reflect on all the deaths that we've had to put up with. And, and you know, all these celebrities die, and we all get upset about it, and yet nobody does anything about it. Like, we don't, it's like the weather. Everybody's bitching about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. It's the same with these celebrity deaths. So anyway, Matthew Perry, I never talked to Matthew Perry, but I did talk to the um, Courtney, Courtney Cox from that show, and Courtney Cox's husband at the time, David Arquette, who sent me a shirt after I interviewed him because he's amazing. I love David Arquette so much. David Arquette, you're the best. Matthew Perry, I don't know anything about except for the fact that he was sober. And then when he was on a million Oxycontin or something in hospital, he proposed to some person who he was seeing, I think a woman who was like a literary manager or something, a woman with a real job, you know, and uh, then when he got out of the hospital, he was like, wait, I'm what? We're, we're what? We're engaged? No, we're not. And then he put a statement out to the press that said, we're not engaged and best of luck to her or something <laughs> really rude. Anyway, I don't know all the particulars. I'm sure if you knew Matthew Perry and you knew all the particulars of that story, you know, maybe you're like, oh, that's not the whole story, Doug. There's more to that story. But guess what? I just know what I'm reading in the press. And I saw his press release saying, best of luck to this person who accepted my uh, super high, um, you know, offer of marriage while she was caring for me in the hospital. And then, and some, so then she came out. So then that fiance came out on, you know, online, and she was like, "Hey, you know what? Like, I loved Mary, Matthew Perry, and he was a great genius, whatever, blah blah blah. But he also caused a lot of pain. And good luck to him wherever he is, or something like this." And then some of Matthew Perry's friends are like, "She's terrible." And then I just thought, like, mm, I don't know. You got this guy who's a crazy hardcore addict, and he you know, needs this person while he's in the hospital. He's out of his mind on drugs. He proposes. She's like, okay, whatever. And then get yeah, great. And then he comes out and she's like, Hey, we're, we're engaged. And he's like, no. And then get out. And then here's a press release or whatever. I don't know all these particulars. All I know is this is what I inferred from the news. And I thought, I always liked Matthew Perry, especially in those whole nine and a half yard movies or whatever. But I don't like the behavior of someone who, I don't anyway, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You know, best of luck to Matthew. All right, rip, RIP to Matthew Perry. I don't have anything bad to say about him. I was just confused by all of the way that he possibly treated this fiance who was by his side in the hospital. Next up, we have Angus Cloud. Angus Cloud was on that show Euphoria, which I really liked, but I don't watch anymore because it's about a sober addict and... <laughs> Anyway, so Angus Cloud died this year, I think, and then um, that sucked. I really liked him on the show, and he died of a bunch of drugs, I think. I think that's right. Anyway, I liked Euphoria the first season. The second season of Euphoria, I thought, was super duper, duper, super duper dumb, and it was beautiful. I mean, it's the most beautiful show on television currently, and it's remarkable how the guy that creates it, you know, he'll do, he'll have a scene setting and then when he's on the set he goes no 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 here's an idea and then he does stuff on the fly I think that's great however it's dumb like I'm not sure and then plus he made that terrible HBO show with The Weeknd that guy who made Euphoria 
worked with the weekend to make some HBO show called whatever. And I watched most of it and it was really, <laughs> really <laughs> terrible. But then the other thing that surprised me about that show that had the weekend in it on HBO was from the very first couple of scenes that Johnny Depp's uh, daughter is playing this um, uh, musician. I immediately knew she was the bad guy. I knew she was the heavy. It was obvious to me. And I don't know. So then everybody. So when she turned out to be the this is a spoiler. <laughs> this is a spoiler about that show. So if you are watching that show and you're like, get to the end of it and you're like, wait a minute. Johnny Depp's daughter is the bad guy. I was like, everybody was like, so like freaked out about that. And I was like, it's obvious. It was obvious from the first episode, from the first 10 minutes of the episode, because people are bustling around her and they're all like, hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. The studio says we can't do this. And she's like, whatever, I'll do what I want. And, you know, she's <laughs> not that that makes you a villain, but she was playing. The actress knew she was a villain and she she was telegraphing with her acting that she was the villain. And I'm, I thought she did a pretty good job, actually, because she obviously fooled a lot of people who thought that she wasn't the villain. I was never fooled. I was like, and then I thought, as the show went on, of course, you're like, oh, The weekend is worse than her. But maybe not. I don't know. It was a tie. Anyway, that guy from Euphoria died. And it sucked because he was very charismatic on that show. Uh, let's see. Who else died early? Some guy named Stephen... Twitch boss. I don't know who that is. We're going to skip past that. Okay, Chris Kirstie Alley. I used to date uh, a really super fantastic person who gave massages to Kirstie Alley and said that she was very uh, kind of not necessarily rude. What did she say? Was she was rude or maybe she just ate pita chips or something while getting a massage or something. Anyway, these things are the sort of gossip that you are tuned in to ha-ha dick for. Anyway, she didn't say anything that, about Kirstie Alley that made me want to hate her even more. Although I didn't like Kirstie Alley all that much. I thought she was fine on Cheers, you know, but after Cheers, I was like, who gives a fuck? Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta. Uh, he was a great actor. Don't know anything, I can't, I don't know, whatever. Ray Liotta was good. Bob Saget, I interviewed Bob Saget. Uh, several times or one time, one time, several times, I think once or twice. And he was very downer. He was a real like womp womp kind of guy. And I didn't understand that. I thought, oh man, he's got everything, you know, this guy's got everything. Why is he all womp womp? But maybe, and I thought maybe he hasn't, he's having a bad day, but he wasn't. He's just kind of like that. But anyway, he shouldn't have died. And it was a real shame that he died the way he did by hitting his head on a thing in a hotel or whatever that was. Okay, next up, Betty White. Betty White, to me, is superb. I love Betty White. You know what I love about... Let me do my Betty White impression. Why, hello, dear. You know, maybe you should try a, a different kind of conditioner on your hair so you don't look like a fucking whore. <laughs> that's my Betty White. I mean, it doesn't sound like her, but that's... Her whole thing was, like, smile and say the world's meanest shit. <laughs> Having been raised in the South... I'm intimately familiar with this method that people do. Betty White was great. I don't think I ever saw anything where I was like, Betty White's doing poor, poorly. <laughs> she was 100% in everything. I love, I mean, who didn't love Betty White? Like, you know how people are like, oh, Dolly Parton. I like Dolly, Dolly Parton just fine. But Betty White to me is the better Dolly Parton. <laughs> no offense to Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, you're great. You're doing great things. I just like, Betty and I have an F thing with each other is spiritually uh next is willie garson he was in a bunch of stuff i don't i don't know what i don't remember norm mcdonald i interviewed norm a bunch norm told me that he 
kept his um he would gamble in Vegas and keep his chips in his freezer in LA. He would never turn his chips in because he was such a degenerate gambler. He would just take the chips from the Bellagio or wherever and he would fly it home to LA, stick them in his freezer, and then the next time he was going to come to Vegas, he would grab the chips out of the freezer and then bring them back. <laughs> I loved Norm McDonald. But, you know, he also did a bunch of Fox and Friends bullshit at the end. And a lot of when I, I put out some video that said I really loved him. And then some people that I know were like, hey, you know what? He did some bad shit because he was a foxy kind of guy. And I was like, ah, I know, I know, whatever. I know, I know. I get it, I get it. Fucking Fox is the enemy. Dustin Diamond. I don't say by the bell. I don't, I never watched that. I feel like I interviewed Dustin Diamond once, probably. I interviewed everybody at one time, except for like Madonna and Michael Jackson, who slept with children and a couple other people. Anyway, next up, Chad, let's talk about somebody more positive. Chadwick. Uh, Bozeman. Chadwick Bozeman was, uh, of course, the lead of Black Panther. And, um, you know, I saw Black Panther. I think it's a real shame. Like he had, he, Chadwick Bozeman was performing while he was dying. And I think that's ugh, amazing. I, I get it. A lot of people actually do want to die doing what they do. You know, that whole thing about, oh, nobody on their deathbed is ever like, Oh, I wish I'd spend more days at the office. Well, some people do. Some people, I mean, I'm pretty sure Warren Buffett on his deathbed is going to be like, ah, I should have fucked somebody out of another trillion dollars. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, Naya Rivera. I don't know who that is. What was she in? She was in Glee. I didn't watch Glee. It's not my thing. Cubby Bryant. Helicopter. Okay, so when you get, try not to get in helicopters. I think that's, I'm not trying to be <laughs> crass. I don't, I was in a helicopter once and a military helicopter because I was a, I was a young journalist and there was a big flood in East Tennessee. And so I got into this gigantic, um, military helicopter and the doors were off of it and I had straps on me and then the helicopter went like this and I could see out and guess what? I was not scared. You know why? Cause if you're in the, if you're in a military with a mil, if you're in a helicopter with a military person flying it. You are not scared because they have flown so they're they're trained to not die. They're trained <laughs> not to die. But Cubby Bryant, I mean, maybe his helicopter guy was military or something. But, you know, he I think it was not a military helicopter. I think that's part of it. Like you want to be like, you know, you want to be like in a very big helicopter, like a plane. Like when you're in a big plane and you're going over the ocean, you don't even know that you're in a plane. You're like, man, I can't even tell them in a plane because it's eight gazillion seats and then the wind just goes right over it but when you're in a small plane or a helicopter you're like fuck I'm gonna die <laughs> you know what I mean like I flew a um when I was married my wife's dad died in one of the worst days ever of anybody's life and uh we had to take a little um one engine plane with when you got into the plane you had to like bend down you had to like bend way way down to get into this tiny little plane because we had to get back to New Orleans for the funeral stuff and scariest plane ride of my fucking life man i was like oh my god you know we're gonna die on the way to getting my, my wife to her dad's funeral <sighs> anyway kobe Bryant died too young i didn't really watch any of uh kobe bryant because i don't watch sports um but i saw some clips and he was pretty good next up cameron boyce he was on grown-ups i don't know what that is Luke Perry. Luke Perry was on Beverly Hills 90210. I didn't watch Beverly Hills 90210. What do I look like? A Beverly Hills 90210 watcher? I have friends who watch that, and they're always, like, making these jokes about 90210. Or they used to. 
but Luke Perry was also on that show on CW with uh, was this not Smallville the one with um, Jughead and all that anyway he was on that show and he looked I'm not trying to be mean I'm just saying like when I saw him in season one I was like is Luke Perry gonna die on camera <laughs> he did not look good it did not look good and I'm not saying that with a laugh like ha ha he was dying I'm like laughing instead of crying I didn't want Luke Perry to die Luke Perry I think had a pretty good word of mouth you know I never heard a bad word about him uh, and he always had a really good demeanor always as a public figure I think I mean you can correct me if I'm wrong anyway so when I saw him on that show with Jughead I was like oh can someone please do an intervention on him to go to like I didn't think he was on drugs or something I just thought like he had like blockage in his heart you know he looked like a guy who had blockage in his heart and I thought and I'm not saying that as a joke or anything, so please don't take this the wrong way. Sometimes you look at somebody on TV and you're like, fuck, somebody get that person a doctor. <laughs> and that's how I felt about Luke Perry. I'm like, somebody get him a doctor. Then he's dead. Now look, sometimes I look like I need a doctor. <laughs> Mac Miller. Mac Miller was a rapper. I think I was in a club with Mac Miller once here in Vegas, but I don't remember. Anthony Bourdain. I'm not going to talk about suiciders. Kate Spade, same thing. I don't, nope. Avicii, man. Oh, oh my God, you know what? I was driving around in Vegas uh, a week or two ago. It was pretty recent. And some, there was a uh, license plate and it had the name of his, of his big hit, which was, what was Avicii's big hit? It was called Ugh, Levels, right? And I saw this license plate and I went, oh my God, somebody got the Avicii song on their plate. That's a score. You could probably eBay that shit. You know what I mean? To turn it over to someone else or whatever. Mark Salling, he was on Glee. I have no idea what that is. Tom Petty. Someone told me that Tom Petty was uh, the gossip on Tom Petty. I love Tom Petty. I saw Tom Petty. I reviewed Tom Petty in concert as a concert reviewer. He was great. Um, just about four days ago, I thought, oh, I could listen to some Tom Petty, even though I don't listen to old music. Because I was also listening to some old Eagles. And I thought, oh, you know what? I could go for some Tom Petty, too. So I go and I found my favorite Tom Petty songs and put them in a playlist. And I was listening to Tom Petty on repeat the other day. So what I'm about to say about Tom Petty comes from a place of love. Because I, I love, love, love like nine of his songs at least. I mean, I like a lot of his songs, but I love like Refugee. Oh, my God, have you read the lyrics to that fucking song? It's incredible. You don't have to live like a refugee. It's so great. And then the lyrics have this part where he says... Some I'm going to mess up the lyrics. I always do. But it's like, some somebody somewhere must have kicked you around. Some Who knows? Maybe they tied you up and held you for ransom. Something like that. It's such a good line. I mean, as a writer, I, the, every time I listen to that line, I'm like, that line is good enough to be in like a Nabokov novel. It's so good. Anyway, I heard Tom Petty was a functioning addict. And then he died. And I think he was best friends with Gary Shandling. Because I saw this thing where Gary Shandling went to his house once. And Gary Shandling was like, this is my best friend, Tom Petty. And I was like, what the fuck? They're best friends? That's a weird combination. And I love Gary Shandling. And Gary Shandling's on this list. And Gary Shandling is another person. The last few times I saw him on TV, I was like, can someone get that guy a heart doctor? You know, like, I mean, you know what? I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was dealing with. I don't know if he even knew that he was sick. But... I don't know the particulars about Gary Shandling. I know that I loved him. I loved both of his shows. He got a show on Fox, I think. I think. And then that show was great. It was called The Gary Shandling Show. And then 
because it went Gary Shan, the Gary Shan, like da da da, had a like catchy little theme song, and then he did the HBO show, the Larry Sanders show. That's it, and that was show was oh, the best thing that ever, the best late night thing that ever happened. Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park was an unexpected death. I interviewed a Lincoln Park's Chester Bennington once, and um, he was in Stone Temple Pilots after Scott Weiland died. And I said to um, Chester Bennington, I go, what does it feel like to know that you're going to be in the Hall of Fame for two different bands, you know, Lincoln Park and um, uh, 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 Stone Temple Pilots? And he was like, you think that Lincoln Park's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lincoln Park, you have 800,000 hits. You know, people travel all over the fucking world to come see you. What the fuck? How do you not know that you're going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? He also told me this story about how he had nipple rings. I used to have nipple rings, and Chester Bennington used to have nipple rings. And then I told him, I said, we, I knew, he talked about how he had 11 um, different piercings in his body at some point. And I go, oh, I used to love my nipple rings, but I took them out. I go, why'd you take yours out? He said he took his out. So I, so he goes, well, Chester Bennington goes, uh, well, I had 11, 11 uh, piercings in my body. And then one day I was taking a shower and then I go to the shower and the shower had like a glass door. So I opened the glass door and I thought I had enough space and I sideways my way into the shower <laughs> and my nipple ring got caught on the door and the next thing I know I hear my nipple hit hit the floor so the nipple ring ripped out of his nipple took his nipple with it and hit the bathroom floor while he's trying to get in the shower and he goes and then I took all my <laughs> piercings out right after that I'm like I don't fucking blame you man that's a pretty hairy story I think that's the craziest piercing story I know of I got rid of my nipple piercings because I just I loved him I loved him and then I woke up one day I was like oh, I'm just done I don't want these anymore Chris Cornell he was in Soundgarden he's dead I love the Soundgarden they had that black hole black hole shine that was a good song Christopher Big Black Boykin of course he's dead Florence Henderson I mean yeah she made it to 82 Betty White made it old too why are they on this list I, lo I love b both of these women but I'll tell you my funniest thing about Florence Henderson I never talked to her or anything but I did watch the Brady Bunch when I was a kid and then uh, my buddy Chad and I went to Italy for um, the wedding of our friends uh, Emily and Bob and when we were there we went to Florence uh, Italy um, we stopped by Florence and the only way I could remember the name the word Florence was to think about Florence Henderson I would go we are in and I would go Florence Henderson are we in Henderson no that's in Nevada we're in Florence <laughs> that's a true story that's how your brain works sometimes when you can't remember somebody's some city's name you have to use like some also dead Bill Paxton <sighs> Bill Paxton was in Titanic and Big Love, but the other thing is everybody knows is he was in Aliens, and he's so great in Aliens, right? Bill Paxton? He's the guy that says game over, dude, right? He was great. What a great actor. I love Big Love. Big Love had a terrible fucking ending where he died of a heart attack in the street. Ugh. Spoilers. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore lived to be very old. That's not a surprise. Loved Mary Tyler Moore. I'm just saying that's not a surprise. Alan Thicke made it pretty old. Oh, he's only 69. I guess that's kind of young. That's pretty young these days. Erin Moran from Happy Days. She died at 56. She was uh, Joni from Joni Loves Chachi, and she was on Happy Days and all this, Laverne and Shirley and all this stuff. And I always liked old Joni. Like, I was a kid when she was a kid, and I thought, 
she was older than me, of course. I didn't ever had a crush on her, though. I don't know why. I thought she was cutesy, but not crushable. But I hope she had a good life. Debbie Reynolds, Carrie Fisher. So Carrie Fisher died at a young age of 60 on a bunch of drugs. And then within like 24 hours, her mom, Debbie Reynolds, died from uh, this thing. It's There's a Japanese word for when your heart... You have uh, you die of heart um, your heartbreak, and what happens is all the blood pours into some other part of your heart, and it's called bell something. You can look it up. It's pretty fascinating. So you have so much grief that you literally your blood pours to the wrong part of your heart, and you die from that. As if it's almost like your body's like you can't live with this much grief. You know what? We're just gonna check out, and that's what happened to Debbie because Debbie was. You know, after Carrie died, Debbie was, you know, saying, you know, according to reports, De- Debbie was saying like, oh, I don't, I don't want to live without Carrie. I don't want to live without Carrie. And, and then she was dead. It's sad. I interviewed Debbie Reynolds quite a few times and saw her in person. Top five performers I've ever seen. She was very funny and sang. She did half singing and half jokes. And so when I saw her, she made jokes about how Elizabeth Taylor had a stinky pussy. I'm not kidding. That was a real joke. Debbie Reynolds told on stage to like 1,500 people. <laughs> Debbie Reynolds was ribald, man. She, not ribald, not bald. So she would perform a bunch in Vegas. And then when she was done with like four performances for the night or whatever, she would like go to some coffee shop and hang out with like Johnny Carson and Buddy Hackett and all these sort of the funniest people in the world at the time. And so that's that they all helped each other hone their comedic styles that way you know because they lifted each other up George Michael I like George Michael and Wham wake me up I went to a birthday party of a millennial like 14 years ago and it was a karaoke thing there's a bunch of millennials bunch of great friends of mine I love them I don't have anything bad about them to say don't hold your breath waiting for me to say something bad what I'm gonna say though is that uh, the song I picked at karaoke for this birthday party was careless whisper and I'm going, careless whisper, do, 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 do. And I was singing it really well, not like I am now. It was really good. And none of these millennials knew it. And then when I finished, they go, what song was that? And I was like, you don't know careless whisper? <laughs> and I'm all, and I, I, I don't really hold that against them. I'm just always surprised at which songs survive the generational apocalypse and which songs don't. You know, that's what I think of the, I think of it as a generational apocalypse because they're just a bunch of people whose memories just die the minute they're dead, you know, because the generations just don't, or younger generations are like, oh, I'm not interested in wham or something, I guess. All right. DM Brown from MTV challenge. I don't know who that is. Misty Uffin. I don't know who that is. Paul Walker. Paul Walker was um, in those fast and furious uh, movies. And this is my thing I have said a million times about Fast and Furious is I think that they're made for, I think the Fast and Furious movies are made for people in prison as aspirational movies to watch so that they know what they're going to do with their lives when they get out of prison. I think that's I think that's the target demographic. I'm not saying that's who watches them. That's not. I'm not saying like if you watch them then you're a prisoner. I'm saying that I think <laughs> I think they're made for. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on the, the producers. But I just feel like subconsciously, maybe that's what they're doing. Not purposely. Rob Williams, I don't talk about suiciders. Amy Winehouse, I mean, I think that she tested, I think her body tested clean after she died. But I think 
Maybe she had just ravaged her body too much. I can't remember how she died. She was found dead. Uh, yeah. Oh, she died of too much alcohol. Sorry. <laughs> she drank herself to death. I've known a few people I thought were going to drink themselves to death. This year, I thought about somebody that uh, I thought, oh, I wonder if they're going to drink themselves to death and drive their car off the road into a big, giant canyon. I hope not. Corey Monteith. Corey Monteith it was on Glee? Oh, you know who Corey Monteith was? Corey Monteith was a found dead in Vancouver, and I don't know anything about him. <laughs> Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Everybody was always like, oh, he's such a great actor. I think he must have been an actor's actor. I think other actors watched him and were like, wow, he's great. I watched him and I was like, oh, this guy is always acting. <laughs> I don't ever. I thought he was superb in this movie called Happiness. And he was the really the one great thing about that movie about the roadies that came out in the 90s, whatever. That movie, Almost Famous. He's really good in that. I thought he was decent in Capote. And I think he won the Oscar for that. I think that he was up and down. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman was a good actor. I'm not trying to whatever, but he was surrounded by like four bags of heroin and he had kids. I don't approve. <laughs> Joan Rivers. I interviewed Joan Rivers a bunch. This was not a surprise. It was kind of a surprise because she died under the knife, but she was 81 or 81. So Joan Rivers, she died under the fucking knife. She was getting another cosmetic procedure in the person that was supposed to be watching her was taking selfies with her while she, and then meanwhile she's dying on the table <laughs> I'm only laughing because I think Joan would laugh at that Joan would be furious but if that ha let me tell you something I interviewed Joan a bunch and Joan was an ornery cuss she was a absolute comic genius very fast very clever just a razor wit and mean as a fucking snake. I loved her, but she was mean. Like, I was so glad that she wasn't in my daily life. Anybody that would have been like... <laughs> I mean, I've known people that were mean snakes, and I got them out of my life, you know what I mean? But anyway, it was Jane, I did I did like... I think that she was... Joan was great. She died. She shouldn't have died when she did. Michael Jackson slept with little children. I'll talk about him. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger to me is one of the great overrated actors of my entire life. I thought he was pretty good. He was okay. I think he was okay. I hate those fucking Batman movies with him in it. All those Christopher Nolan movies. Like, I really liked the first couple of Christopher Nolan movies, Following and um, Croupier. Did he make Croupier? No. No, no, not Croupier. Croupier is oh, classic. Of course he didn't make that because he's not good enough to make that Croupier movie. He made, uh, Christopher Nolan made that really good movie, uh, the Backwards Time one. And that was a really good movie. And everything ever after that, I'm, I've tried, I just go garbage, garbage, garbage. And then society is like, ah, oh, I just love that Christopher Nolan. He's so great. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you. I'm glad you like him. But anyway, Christopher Nolan's not dead. Heath Ledger's dead. And a lot of, I don't know. It's not my guy. I thought he was fine. I'm sad that he's dead. But I, as an actor, I'm like, I don't, he was okay. Whitney Houston. I think I only saw her sing one song once or something like that, like an award show that I was covering as a concert reviewer. But the thing is, is that I was working in a record store when that first record blew up. And so we could choose our own music to put on in the store. It was a family store. So we had a lot of autonomy and it wasn't like a corporate thing where you have to like, you have to play every, Taylor Swift every four seconds or something like that. It wasn't like that. We could pick what we wanted. 
I very frequently picked that first Whitney Houston album because it had like four fucking hardcore awesome songs on it. And then the rest of the songs were good-ish, you know, or whatever. And I was just like, wow, this lady can sing. And then she died. Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac. I think, fuck, I am so sad Bernie Mac is dead. I can't tell you. I think he was one of the funniest comedians who ever lived in America that I saw. Like, of all the comedians, I've seen a bunch in person, and I've seen, you know, most of the real big comedians and medium-sized comedians on specials on TV and shit. And, uh, man, Bernie Mac was just the fucking shit. He was so fucking, look at, he's so friendly looking. And yet, like, I can't. I just love him. Kirk Cobain died. I was, let me tell you something, man. That first Nirvana album was the most pivotal album of my life. I was Prince's number one fan. I would I always had the first ticket sold at his concerts. But then when I heard Nevermind, I was like, oh, this is the band I've been waiting for my whole life. And this is the album I've been waiting for my whole life. And I was like, please, please, this guy's clearly going to commit suicide at some point. I hope he gets at least three records out. And he didn't. He got the officially they did. They got the first one out before they were famous, which I don't think is very good. Then they got Nevermind out. Then they got In Utero out. And In Utero is pretty good, but it's not as good as Nevermind. I don't care what you think. You're wrong. And then they did that live thing on MTV. And that was good. But they didn't get at least one more studio album out. Although sometimes when I hear um, the first big hit from the Food Fighters, that sounds to me like uh, a song Kurt wrote. And then all the hits that Courtney had on that first big hole record, that those also sound like Kurt Cobain songs. So... In my mind, but not in reality, I always feel like he wrote all the best Foo Fighter and Courtney Love whole songs. Okay, Vera Fawcett, we're not going to keep doing this forever, but we're getting to the near the end because my feet hurt and I want to go get some candy. Vera Fawcett died. Terrible. When she died, the person I was with was in love with Vera Fawcett and she was very upset about it. DJ AM, I don't know. I saw him once. River Phoenix died of drugs and shit or whatever. Anna Nicole Smith. Man, that girl. Anna Nicole Smith, when she first came out, I saw... If you go look at, like, the pictures of Anna Nicole Smith when she was new, you're just like, wow. Can a person really be this pretty? She was so pretty. Same with Pam Anderson. When Pam Anderson first came out, I was like, wow. This girl's amazing looking, you know? And then they both changed. Tupac Shakur. I'm not into Tupac... Steve Irwin was my hero. Steve Irwin saved crocodiles. You know how much of an animal lover you have to be to save fucking crocodiles? You didn't even, you know, and I've always thought like, oh, he's gonna get killed by a crocodile, and he got killed by a fucking stingray. You know, that's not fucking nice. Okay, Jonathan Brandis. I don't know that person. Oh, Leah, Laya, she was great. Brad Renfo, he was good. James Gandolfini. I interviewed James Gandolfini once, and he was uh, very tall, and he was very scared of me. And I know that sounds weird. You're like, ah, oh, James Gandolfini wasn't scared of you. I don't know what he was on, but I was talking to him in the entryway of the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, I was at the Ritz-Carlton. Ritz-Carlton? Yeah. I was at the Ritz-Carlton in Southern California where I was interviewing famous people. A long, uh, it's a long story. Anyway, so just me and Gandolfini, me and him, just me and him. And I got my recorder like this, and I'm recording him. I'm coming at him like this. And he's taller than me, so I'm like this <laughs> and I'm like 
every time I'm, I'm just standing here going like, hey, how's it going? I'm being very nice. I'm not asking any mean questions. I swear to God, I was asking just nice little fluffy questions. And he kept backing up and backing up and backing up. And he was so like, and I thought, is he on acid? <laughs> I don't think that he was an acid guy. Plus, I'm not trying to <clears throat> cast aspersions on acid. But I think that James Gandolfini was um, not in his right mind when I was interviewing him. And I don't know, maybe he didn't get enough sleep or maybe he did a bunch of drugs. I don't know what his deal was, but he was scared of me. And that was weird. Notorious B.I.G. Not into him. Not into him. I like the tone of his voice. He's got a very deep voice. I can't do it. It's great. I liked his crown thing, but I don't like his songs. I did think that I thought that Biggie had really good beats. I had, thought he had good beats, but I'm a musician, a violin. I was a scholarship violinist. This I'll tell you 400,000 times. And to me, Tupac and Biggie, both of them, and then some other rappers, just don't appeal to me musically. And then you're like, oh, you just don't like rap. There are people in town that are like, oh, Doug doesn't like rap because of he doesn't like Tupac. Fuck and you if you say that, because I, I gave P. Diddy five stars in concert because you know why? Amazing. I've given Snoop Dogg fucking an A or whatever. Amazing. I f grew up listening to R&B and Urban as they called it. And uh, not only that, but I owned the very uh, first, uh, not the very first pressing, but I owned the first run of the first uh, rap hit, um, Rapper's Delight. I said a hip, a hop, a hippity, the hippity, hip, hip, a hoppity. And you're like, oh, that's some old shit. But whatever. It was iconic, man. It made rap. And then I loved, I still love LL Cool J and Missy Elliott and a whole bunch of rap. I don't like Tupac. I don't like Biggie. It's not because I don't like rap. It's because I don't like their everybody's entitled to their own stupid opinion and that's mine which is I don't if you like them more power to you man I just I'm not into Tupac and Biggie that's not my I I don't know I think a lot of people liked Tupac because he was so pretty oh my god Tupac's core is just oh, he's a 10 out of 10 anybody that wouldn't want to have sex with him is out of their fucking mind he was absolutely stunning looking man you know so I get that part of it. <laughs> and I get Biggie's tone, his vocal tone. Biggie's vocal tone is awesome. If you had given Biggie a better producer that he would have listened to, to do like some different kind of stuff, I think that he could have been the greatest of all time just because of the vocal tone. Lisa Left Eye. I don't know much about her singularly, but she was in TLC and they were like, waterfalls. And I loved TLC, loved them, loved them. Used to drive around and listen to them on the radio, which was this thing that came with cars and a long time ago, back 4,000 years ago, James Dean, whatever, Tim Russert. Okay. We're getting to the bottom of it. Brittany Murphy. She was good. She was really good in Sin City. I really love Sin City. I've watched it a lot. Have you ever watched Sin City 800 times like I have? I've even watched Sin City 2 like eight times. I think Brittany Murphy was really good in that. But my guy, of course, is Clive Owen. Clive Owen is, in my lifetime, the first person I wanted to be as a child was Bugs Bunny. And then the second person I wanted to be was Groucho Marx. And then the third person I wanted to be was Cary Grant. And then I could keep going. But I would say that, you know, at some point, I wanted to be Clive Owen. Like when Clive Owen was in the movie Croupier, if you've not seen that, Jesus, watch that movie. The first 15 minutes, you're like, what is, this is not a big movie. 
just keep watching. <laughs> it's so good. The script is incredible. The acting is amazing. The directing's fine. It's so good. I mean, fine, like fine. Like that ass is fine. Like that kind of fine. It's good directing. Anyway, Chris Farley, you know, Phil Hartman. Man, you know, they used to say that Phil Hartman was the best person who was ever on SNL. But now we've got like these um, couple of women that have been on SNL now for a long time. And now off of SNL. I'm, I don't keep up with SNL. And I'm not an SNL hater. I can never remember Kate and oh, Kate and oh, who's the other one. Anyway, I can't think of their names right now. So I think they're probably maybe better than Phil Hartman. Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I think it's a tie at least. Adrian Shelley. I don't know who that is. Brandon Lee. That was you know, what's his face's son who was incredible. And then Isaac Hayes and then Peaches Geldof. And then. OK, so this list has descended into people that are. It's sad, you know, but it's no more. Oh, Prince. Look, they got Prince down here at the bottom. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Prince is the Mozart of our times. Let me tell you something. Stevie Wonder called Prince the Mozart of our times. And he is not wrong. Steve, Prince was unbelievable. I can't believe they have the way down the list. Bobby Brown. I interviewed Prince, too, by the way. But I'm not going to tell that story because I've told it so many times. China, she was a wrestler. Vanity, who sang, uh, she was in Vanity Six with Prince. David Bowie's way down this list. Man, I'm very upset with this list. <laughs> very upset with this list. How do you have people from Glee ahead fucking David Bowie? Get the fuck out of here. And Prince. I mean, Prince was older. I mean, uh, David Bowie was 69, rather. But the world would not be existing if it weren't for David Bowie, I think. You know how, like, you're like, Oh, you know, like the world only exists because the West won World War II. That's true. It's also because David Bowie existed. <laughs> with no David Bowie. All right. And they got Gary Shandling way down here on this list. I'm very upset with this list now. Why are they doing this? Natalie Cole. Natalie Cole's dead? <gasps> Natalie Cole's dead. Oh, my God. Wow. I didn't know that. When I got married, she had this uh, duet with her dead husband, unforget unforgettable. That's what you are. That was my wedding song. Oh, that's the end of the list. Okay. All right. So what did we learn today? We learned that it doesn't pay to die. We learned that it pays to live. We learned that uh, I love everybody all the time and I'm in love with you. And I just want your face in front of me and I want us to make out. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we learned uh, that um, the world is a very crazy place and you should not develop uh, an addiction. And if you do, then try not to. And if you do, then try not to kill yourself accidentally or on purpose. I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm just saying if you uh, want to live for a long time, like I want to live to 220 years old. Because I figured by then someone will come up with some way to put my brain into a computer, my conscience or something, and then I can live forever, you know? And then I have friends like uh, my friend Chelsea, they're like, they're all, you're crazy. And nobody wants to live that long. And I'm like, uh, I love life. I woke up this morning and I was all sad for like a little bit. And then I just started like brushing my teeth and trimming my beard and trimming my hair and doing some work and drinking some coffee. And then I did some work and I felt better. Then I took a break and I felt sad again. And then I thought, oh, you know what makes me feel better all the time is looking at myself in a camera while I record a video podcast talking about my sad feelings. And then as soon as I start doing that, I just look at myself in the 
and I go, wow, I'm so beautiful. What do I have to be upset about? I'm so handsome. Anyway, that's it. Ha ha, duck, uh, duck. Ha ha, ha, let's try again. Ha ha, dick. I love you very much. I hope you're having a great day. Sorry about the burp. Bye.